our community and also particularly in the legal area. So we're talking about black attorneys here today. Um, we're going to be talking about a little bit about their history um, and some of the accomplishments that they have made. And then also uh, we're going to talk about the challenges that we've been through as African-American women uh, trying to get into the legal arena, which is uh, not predominantly African-American women. Uh, the three people that I have here today, and I'm not sure who all I have on the line, uh, but I have Adrienne Hayes, who she is the uh, managing partner of Seed Law. Uh, that is a firm that uh, assists in developing sustainable infrastructure and business practices, helps other firms and businesses basically get set up. Um, and she's also uh, one of the leaders of the person who put together a group called the Black Female Attorneys Association and got us all together and united so we could start to, to support each other in Kansas City because there are so few African-American women. And um, it's difficult sometimes if you don't have a support system to be successful in an, in an arena in which you are not a majority. So Adrian's done a lot of work. She's been involved in a lot of other activities, but I, I want to give them an opportunity to go through their background. So that's just a little bit about Adrian. Adrian, are you with us right now? Good afternoon, everyone, or good evening. My name is Adrian. Thanks so much, Judge, for having me. Okay, and then I also am going to introduce everybody, and then we'll go back and we'll just have you guys get a little bit of information about you, uh, and then talk about why you decided to get into law. But I also have, do I have Ebony on here as well, Ebony Davis? Hi, Ms. Peterson, I am here. Okay, great. Um, it's my understanding you're still, you're an um, associate at Armstrong and Teasdale. Um, she's also was an attorney at the USDA Office of the General Counsel. She did that for a significant period of time, about five years or so. And then she was also an attorney at uh, Clay Board and Associates. She uh, deals specifically right now in reviewing leases, contract agreements, loan documents, and she's got a lot of experience in bond financing and low-income housing, tax credit financing, and, and the financial areas um, dealing with uh, you know, law. So I've got to have any years. She's also the president of the Jackson County Bar Association, which is the Black Law Association here in Kansas City. Um, so she can talk about um, her challenges and her uh, her business for that in just a second. And then Lisa, are you with us? Lisa Hardwick? Yes, I am. Good afternoon. I'm here. Okay, great. Lisa Hardwick is an appellate judge here in Kansas City. She's been a good friend of mine for years and a mentor. Uh, Lisa not only has been on the appellate court for a number of years, she was a circuit court judge as well. And prior to that, she was a partner, I believe, at Shook Hardy and Bacon for a significant period of time. I think she's also in the Jackson County Legislature, but I'll let her go into her history. Uh, Lisa has been one of the mentors and the leaders here in Kansas City uh, supporting black females. And Lisa's also a candidate for the Supreme Court uh, position uh, coming up. And uh, she's uh, been very involved with a lot of uh, innovative things in Kansas City, but she'd like to take that statewide eventually. Um, so she can talk about some of the ideas and, and the and things that she's going to be doing as far as vision for that position to be able to get there. Um, she's also um, one of the chairs of the Commission of Racial Ethnic Fairness, which I'm also on, and she's uh, done some amazing things with that committee to get some things going in Kansas City to address uh, equal justice across the state. So I'm going to go ahead and, uh, I don't know, Lisa, do you need to get off earlier? I know you were in the middle of something, and you did us a great favor by coming in on the show. If you need to go um, sooner than later, then I'll go ahead and start with you if, if you want to go ahead and do that. Uh, you can start with me, but I, I don't have any time constraints at this point. So I'll, I'll be oh, okay. I'll be 
How are you, Honorable Lisa White Hardwick, M.C. Richardson? I'm doing well, Mr. Richardson. Glad to be with you again. It's our pleasure. Lisa was, a, just, okay, before, uh, Judge Hardwick, Lisa White Hardwick, was the one that assembled and brought to my attention that we had five black female um, judges in Kansas City. So we had a special show with them. I think it was three in Kansas City, Missouri, and two in Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, one in Kansas City, Kansas. Okay. Yeah. For all in, in the, the rest of us that were on that show were all in, all in Missouri. Yeah. Okay. We have, well, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to, once you get done finishing, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Once you get done finishing what you wanted to say, wanted you to just give us a little bit about your background, uh, give a little bit of information about what was the thing that caused you to go into law with her situation, circumstance, or a person that encouraged you or inspired you to go into law, just to give a uh, young girl out there an idea of, you know, some of the similarities and, and circumstances and experiences you had and the fact that uh, there are some things that they can get into law as well. So if you could give us a little bit of history and a little bit of uh, some, some ideas of why you came into law, that would be great. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I grew up here in Kansas City in the 1960s in the heat of the civil rights movement. And uh, what I remember most about that is the period when Martin Luther King vaccinated and the riots that broke out in the city uh, because people uh, were angry. Um, uh, basically, a, a cry of, of despair. And I was only seven years old at that time, but I remember it having a very heavy impact on me. And I began to understand how important civil rights were to our community. And I understood that we were not going to speak and we were not going to have justice unless we could enforce the civil rights laws that were on the books. And that made me, at that age, want to become a lawyer. And so I spent uh, two years uh, in high school and college uh, trying to prepare myself for that, uh, joining the debate team in high school, joining the political science club, uh, going to college. At the University of Missouri Columbia and majoring in journalism as a pre law degree. And then when I graduated from college, uh, I had the opportunity to go to Harvard Law School. And following that, I started out practicing in Washington, D.C., and actually practiced uh, with Vernon Jordan, who just passed away this past week. I've had a lot of great memories of him uh, that I've been exchanging with, 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 uh, with people uh, in the legal community. And one of the things that Vernon Jordan encouraged me to do was to go home and make a difference. And so that's one of the reasons that I decided to come back to Kansas City and practice uh, in my own community. And I joined the law firm of Shook, Hardy & Bacon, which at that point had been around about 100 years and had never hired an attorney of color. So I was the first one to do that. Um, I really didn't think I would stay there very long. A lot of folks told me that's not going to work out for you very well. It hadn't worked out in the past for anyone. But it actually did work out pretty well because the firm uh, was interested in helping me to grow as a lawyer and letting me do what I, the kinds of things I wanted to do, whether it was politically or whether it was particular uh, practice groups that I wanted to work in. I wanted to be a litigator. I wanted to work on employment law cases. Uh, and the firm helped me to do that. And through the course of uh, about 15 years with the firm, I did become a partner, and after I became a partner, I started to see the practice of law as more of a business 
than actually um, uh, an intellectual sort of process of, of, of analyzing the law. And I didn't really like the business aspect of it. So I wanted to find a job in the profession where I could do the legal analysis, where I could actually research, where I could actually apply the law to the facts. And it turns out that's what judges do. And um, so I started the process of trying to become a judge. Uh, that took about five years. Um, and in Missouri, we have what we call the uh, nonpartisan court plan. Uh, anyone that wants to become a judge and basic qualifications can apply to a nominating commission. That nominating commission sends three names to the governor, and then the governor can select uh, from one of those three people to make a judicial appointment. So it took me a while to navigate that process. And um, in 2000, I finally did get an appointment to the circuit court, Jackson County Circuit Court. And then a year and a half later, I was appointed to the Court of Appeals, and I've now been uh, a Court of Appeals judge for the past 20 years. So that's, that's my journey. And we can talk more details later, but that's kind of the outline. Since we, uh, you are listening to Guess Who's Coming to Kansas City, and it's a great show, and this is Women History Month, I'll give it back to uh, Judge Martina uh, Peterson. Okay, we're going to go to Adrian Chapter in Kansas City with all the women who are on the call here locally are 
participate and active contributors to how this network has continued to, to survive. And then we're also launching two chapters um, in April, both in Los Angeles and in Sarasota, Florida. So women who have been integral in the legal community here in Kansas City are now going to help spread that um, to some other regions. So it's, I'm really fortunate to be able to participate in the Black Female Attorneys Network, and it really has made all the difference in my career not only in teaching me how to be an attorney, but uh, connecting me with women who have been doing it and trailblazing and learning from them. So thank you for the opportunity to come on the show and share. Well, we're glad to have you here. Um, Ebony, I know you are the new president of the Jackson County Bar Association, uh, which is a black bar association here in Kansas City. Why don't you also to give us a little bit about your history and what was your um, what caused you to, to go into law? What was your inspiration to, to take that course? Sure. Thank you, uh, Judge Peterson. And as Adrian said, thanks so much, Judge Hardwick, for uh, being such an inspiration for so many of us in the legal community. I always love hearing about your journey from start to where you are now. And we're all just excited to, just excited and hopeful to see you uh, move on to uh, the Missouri Supreme Court. Um, I am from Kansas City, Kansas, Wyandotte County. I graduated uh, from Wyandotte High School. And I recall uh, being probably a sophomore, junior in high school, uh, a run-in that my brother had with Parkville Police Department. Uh, he and his friend were pulled over, and he had a pretty rough encounter with them and had experienced some um, police brutality and as history has taught, you know, black women the most effective tool to to fight sort of systemic racism and oppression and, and, and things of that nature is to go into the law. So at that point, I said, you know what, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna go ahead and try to go to law school and um, work to prepare myself for that. As I uh, studied at UMKC, um, graduated from there in 2007, and actually didn't go directly to law school. I started working for actually Judge Hardwick's cousin, Herb Hardwick, um, who uh, practices primarily in, in bond finance and real estate, and really got uh, interested in that area of law. And um, I'm, I'm actually practicing in that, in that area today. So it's um, been a wonderful journey, um, very challenging, uh, rewarding career. And as we all know, it definitely has its challenges. Um, but I am excited to uh, be in the profession, to uh, share in this profession with the, the ladies on this call, and excited to um, excited that you all invited me to the show. Okay, um, Martina, um, I just want to interrupt for a second and give some little history about um, the first African American um, attorney in Kansas City, if you don't mind. No, go ahead. Her name was, you know, her name was Leona County Thurman. She was born in 1911, um, and she was the first African-American uh, attorney here in Kansas City, Missouri, and the first attorney, African-American and female lawyer to practice before the Supreme Court of the United States. Um, she was born in Russellville, Arkansas. Before she settled in Kansas City, she was um, admitted to the Henderson Business College in Memphis, Tennessee. She earned her law degree in 1949 at Howard University School of Law. 
After earning her Bachelor of Law in 1949, she became the first African-American female lawyer in Kansas City. And in 1952, she became the first African-American female from Missouri admitted to practice before the United States Supreme Court. So I just wanted to add this history to our conversation. And then I want to add my journey to become a lawyer because I really um, started off wanting to be a um, accountant, a CPA. And so I went to um, play basketball at um, the Midwood College and then um, moved to Atlanta. Um, and I was um, working books for a design firm down there. I hated it, didn't like it, knew that wasn't going to be what I wanted to do. And then I thought I'd go and get a master's. Meanwhile, you know, the young young And I dated um, this guy who uh, was an international lawyer. Um, and he was not the brightest bird on the branch, I swear. He wasn't. And I thought, really? I could be a lawyer? And that's how I went to law school. I thought, okay, I'll take a look be a lawyer. Um, my journey then went to, I think I will um, be, again, a tax attorney. Um, tried it didn't like it, went to the public defender in the clinic and fell in love with that. Um, and um, so that's my journey, and I, I want to thank our guests for being with us today. Martina? Uh-huh. Well, okay, I want to um, go into some issues and get into the, the meat of some of the uh, challenges that you guys have had. I want to talk about some of the challenges as a black women um, in a predominantly a white male um um, and talk about the challenges that you have had in the past and the challenges you're still working to uh, address now. And then we'll talk, I want you to also talk about what your next step is and what your next vision is for, for you in, in your career. Um, whether or not you want to go ahead and stay in your position, whether you want to move to a different position, whether or not you want to open up your own firm or move to a different area of law. So we'll go ahead and start with you, Judge Hardwick. Um, what are some of the challenges that you have experienced as a, a black female in the legal profession, um, in the past or currently, and how you dealt with or addressed them, and then some of your visions for um, for us uh, in, in the field and for you in the future. Yeah. The, the challenge is so often um, twofold. One being overlooked uh, for who you are and, and what it is you're doing. I mean, I can I can't tell you how many times I I went to court um, as a young attorney and. Uh, you know, they always thought I was a court reporter, I was a witness, I was anything but a lawyer. Even when I'm sitting at counsel table with my papers in front of me, trying to look like a lawyer in my lawyer suit, it just people just couldn't see it for whatever reason. And uh, it doesn't happen as much now because I have a lot of gray hair and I wear a robe, so they kind of have to acknowledge uh, the role that I play. But there was always that issue of being overlooked and in addition to being overlooked being underestimated um and, and, and sort of low expectations for what you were going to do i can remember as when i was in the first two or three years that i was an associate if i would turn in something people would just ooh and ah because they weren't expecting whatever it was i, I gave them I, I don't know exactly what they were expecting but they would just want to say things like how did you know to do that how did you how did you come up with that? Where did you find that case? It was a lot of second guessing because they didn't expect me to be able to do the kind of work that the other folks that had been trained as I had were doing. So 
So those are the things that you go through, and, and some might call those microaggressions. Uh, uh, but, you know, they were daily. They built up. Um, by the time I actually got to the point where I could be considered for partnership, I didn't even know if I wanted to do it because I just felt this is never going to go away. This is always going to be happening. Uh, no matter what I do, people are going to be either surprised or, or simply not, not expecting much from me. I do think it did get better. Um, as you build up a reputation, particularly if you stay in one place a long time, you begin to build a reputation for putting out a certain quality of work, and that helps you. Um, it's much harder if you go from place to place. It can still be done, but and I don't encourage anyone who does that. It just so happens that I stayed at one place for 15 years, and that, that helps me in that particular situation. So those are some of the things. Um, was there a second part to that question, or was that... Yeah, no, what are you looking at as far as the future? I mean, I know at this point yeah. in time, it looks like you, uh, want, you're going to be applying for the Supreme Court position, but is that, yeah. the, is that where you want to be? Is there other things that you aspire to do as well? Well, uh, that is certainly in terms of in, ter- in terms of the judiciary. Um, I have been applying for the Supreme Court for the past seven days. This will be my eighth application since 2003. I've applied, I think, for every day. You know, I've, I've been a finalist. A couple of times so that would be for me the pinnacle of, uh, of my career uh, I think it's only natural that when you do something when you're in a particular profession that you want to be at the top of that and I'm always working to do that so whatever that top position is I'm always going to be working hard for that as long as I'm a judge I'll be pursuing that so we'll, we'll, we'll try it again uh, uh, current uh, one of the current Supreme Court judges is retiring on Monday so that process will begin uh, but in terms of uh, the state as a whole, uh, the thing I want to work on uh, as, as a Supreme Court judge or not, whether I, whether I make that position or not, I want to work on racial equity in our court, uh, in our court system, to make sure that our systems are fair for people of color. Um, uh, I've been in this system 21 years as a judge, and I'm only now beginning to realize how unequal things are. We always had, kind of had a sense of that, but we're now, and I'm working with Martina on a lot of this, we're now beginning to pull out data that shows just how disadvantaged people of color are in our system, and that should not be the case. So for the years that I have remaining uh, to work uh, in our court system, I will be working to improve racial equity. Well, that's great, and then we really, really need that. So yeah, we can see things, and they're scary. All right, um, yeah. Adrian. Um, why don't you talk about your challenges that you've had in the past or you're addressing still now as an African-American female in the legal profession and some other ideas or visions that you have in the future for either organizations you're working with or what you want to do with your firm or anything else that you might aspire to do? Sure. I like that Judge Hardwick mentioned uh, being overlooked because after I, I'm six years into my own practice now, and it took me a while to pass the bar right after law school, but I just remember I, I applied to so many firms uh, around town before starting my own, and when I think about the challenges that I had, I think back, and, and, and almost no one called me back. Um, and what's interesting now is six years into the practice, many of those firms that I applied to have come back to me and said, hey, you made it. You want to come join us? And it's like, you know, that's an interesting uh, feeling. And so, but I do appreciate that in terms of being able to then connect with them, learn how their firms work, and try to implement some of those things that you um, see law. 
so with my firm now, you know, I, of course, I'm the managing partner. We have a few attorneys, so I put my time between lawyering, building the business, and then also the business of the practice. And I think that unless you've kind of seen someone do that, there are some challenges and things that you just learn by doing as you're running a business. And so that's been, uh, well, I enjoy that part of the journey as, a, as an entrepreneur. But I would say in terms of other challenges that I see, um, much of the work that I do is talking to people who perhaps have never talked to an attorney before or who only talk to an attorney when they've been in trouble, perhaps on a criminal legal issue. Um, and so there's a lot of education that we have to do as business attorneys to help people understand. And really, you know, we're gatekeepers as attorneys. We can help people really understand their rights and what they, you know, the full privileges that they can be afforded. And so we spend a lot of time on the education side. Um, where that could have been a challenge for us, we really kind of bring down as a firm. And I think it's led to some long-term relationships. Um, but ultimately, you know, my goal for Seed Law is for it to continue to grow. Um, there's the, the, more we, the more we do, the more we realize that we can do um, in terms of helping support entrepreneurs, and especially business owners of color. You know, generational wealth is important to us, and so we're trying to help people really from startup to succession, and how can we help people who look like us, grow businesses that contribute to their long-term legacies and really make a difference in um, and so those are the challenges that as an entrepreneur and business owner we really lean into. Um, but I'd love to see the firm grow and continue to be able to, you know, if anybody has a business call question, I would want them to call us. Great. Um, Stephanie, um, what uh, challenges have you experienced or are you experiencing and um, how are you addressing them? And also, um, being a young attorney here in Kansas City and uh, working with the Jackson County Bar Association, what uh, what things do you have for yourself um, in the future? Yes, so as Judge Hartman mentioned, uh, being underestimated. I think it's a, uh, definitely a challenge that I've experienced in the past and actually still experienced, well, probably experienced prior to transitioning back to private practice. Um, being underestimated and unqualified. And I worked for um, the federal government. Um, I can recall uh, one of the older white males telling one of the other attorneys, a Hispanic attorney that was hired with us, that, you know, you and Ebony are only here because the general counsel needed some color in my office. You know that, right? And our, our general counsel, who was in D.C. at the time, was a Hispanic female. Um, and, and also felt like I received a, a lot of the lower profile assignments in comparison to my, my, my white colleagues in the office. And, you know, that led me to believe that I wasn't competent to do the work. And so I would sometimes hear, you know, recall this, this guy saying, okay, well, you're only here because the, the general counsel needed a black attorney in the office, or you're only here because the general attorney needed a Senate attorney in the office. So I, I think I dealt with a lot of imposter syndrome. So, you know, feeling like or, yeah. or you know, going through the legal industry as if I had it all together and I knew I was qualified. But the entire time, you know, I felt I was sort of unqualified to do the work that I was doing. And it took a lot of work. You know, I don't know, I don't know if it's thirteen thirteen or uh, I don't know my mentally overcome that. Um, and you know, even you said what now? 
today, I still sort of fall back into that way of thinking. Um, so that's been a challenge. Okay, kind of so yeah. um, Thankfully, I'm with a law firm I'm that um, I'm, I'm actually very happy with. I yeah. love the, you know, the, the supervisors, the managing partners. I, I have a great and very supportive and working environment. I'm sorry. I recall one of I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. I the diversity, the diversity CLE that that yes, Adrian with CFA hosted. Oh, hold on, Tam, Tam, Ira, one of you guys got to uh, mute yourself. Okay, uh, Judge, that's MC, and I can't. I've been trying to get in the MC. meeting. MC. No, I don't think he knows how. Um, Tam, all right, that's right. That's why we have to deal with that. He's not quite on the phone, but that's MC. Okay, all right, Tam. Give, okay. give him time. Okay. okay. I apologize. What happened with my alarm system? I don't know how to operate. It went off. Yeah, we know you, but that's okay. Um, I'm going to have Ebony finish up, but uh, thank you. Thank you. Ebony, finish up. Ever while you finish up, they listen to Guess Who's Coming to Kansas City. My name is MC Richardson. I'm the executive producer and one of the hosts and moderators. Go ahead, Ebony. I'm sorry for the interruption. No problem. Thank you. So just being underestimated and unqualified, and um, just as the great Charlie Chisholm said, and the, we're just not only the stereotypes that others hold of us, but the stereotypes that we hold of ourselves. So that's uh, a daily reminder for me um, to know that I am you know, more than qualified to, or qualified to do the work that I'm doing. Uh, but that, that has been a challenge. Um, with respect to JCBA, um, we have always had a great team uh, but we have a really a great board um, I know it's definitely a challenging time to be in a leadership role um, of a bar association during a pandemic um, but we you know still remain actively engaged with our members and with our community um, with respect to the community we're still hosting our law 101 classes um, once a month that's every second Wednesday of every month those are free to the public and uh, all virtual this year. Um, if anyone is interested in attending those classes, please do so. You can um, search us uh, on Eventbrite, and we have uh, the schedule there and a list of all the classes for the remainder of the year. Next class is Wednesday, March 10th. It'll be on landlord-tenant law, and we have uh, two great speakers that's going to teach that course. Um, also, we are continuing to uh, provide scholarships to high school and law school students. Uh, we rename our NLK scholarship after just Lisa White Hardwick. Um, it's just Lisa White Hardwick Academic Excellence Scholarship. Uh, thought it was a, a great way to honor her um, and all the amazing work that, that she's done in the legal community. Uh, that is a scholarship competition that we're holding for our high school students. Um, of course, we have our annual scholarship banquet for our law students. We uh, give out three to four scholars, uh, three to four scholarships to law students to help defray those costs. Um, continuing to provide our members with um, continuing legal education courses. Uh, Rona actually just, um, I'm sorry, Rona actually just participated in our second annual Justice in the Law CLE last week and did a phenomenal job um, and. We look forward to um, hosting more CLEs throughout the year. 
I think the biggest challenge is really just trying to keep our members engaged and to ensure that we'll, we're remaining engaged with um, with the members of the community. I, I think so far we've been doing a pretty good job, and so um, we're, we're excited for the year. Okay, Rona, did you want to talk about any challenges? Yeah, I do. I want to thank um, the ladies for sharing their challenges with us. When I when I first started law school, I went to Washington University. Um, I always got the feeling, and I've got the feeling, I was told I was there because they had a quota and I was part of this quota, you know. But um, years later, I realized I did a hell of a job on the LSAT. That's why I got I had accepted in all law schools. I got accepted to Harvard. I got accepted to Yale. Washington gave me money um, to go there, so that's why I went there and I'm home. I'm from St. Louis, so um, I think you know I I I'm particularly um, grateful to Ebony for sharing how it made you feel. It did it made it made me feel diminished um, because I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't be here. <laughs> maybe that's why I'm here. They made me believe that about myself, and so I'm happy you all shared that experience. Um, and I'd like to share another little note of history. And Martina actually um, introduced me to this person. Um, she was preparing to be um, teach a, a class at the law school over the summer and uh, gave me a book by Brian Carter, who is the grandson of Eunice Carter. Eunice Carter helped um, put um, Lucky Luciano away in New York. Um, and she was very instrumental. Um, unfortunately, she could argue the case because she was a black woman. But she was born um, July 15th, 1899 in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, she passed away in January 25th, 1970 in New York. She um, was the first African-American woman to work at the prosecutor's in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. There was an office there specifically for women prosecutions, um, mostly for uh, prostitutes, uh, and she noticed uh, that there were certain lawyers and bondsmen who would come get these prostitutes, and all these prostitutes have to be, um, bondsmen and lawyers actually, have to be uh, agents and relations uh, of Lucky Luciani. So she put all of this together and um, really brought him down when, when the uh, district attorney, uh, Dewey, uh, had nothing else to prosecute Luciani on. So uh, I just want to give you another uh, note from history, and that book is wonderful. Uh, it's by Brian Carter, and uh, it, it just takes you through her whole life, uh, which was quite uh, extraordinary. She had to flee from Georgia uh, when her town was burned down by a white mob uh, when they were very, very young. So it's very interesting, and I encourage you to read it. What was the name of her town? Oh my gosh, I, I don't, I don't recall, I'm sorry. I was thinking when you said burned down, I was thinking about Black Wall Street, but that wasn't it. No, this was in Georgia, and okay. it's very, very interesting. It's not in this little bio I'm reading right now, but I recall in the book, her uh, house was the only one that wasn't burned down because it was the one between the white people and the black people. It's like dividing house. Huh. And the white people mob did not know if her house was a black house or a white house. So oh. very, very interesting. I, 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 um, 
right now. I encourage you to read it. Okay, talking about friction between uh, the races at this point in time, let's talk about the current situation that we're kind of addressing across the country. Things are going wait. Sometimes things are kind of calm and then things disrupt again because there's some, some, some unfair practices or unfair things that occur that people finally get tired of, and then all of a sudden we've got this friction again. So we're having the issues with police brutality. We've had the issues with... Uh, in the government, uh, the federal government, uh, passing some laws that, that appear to be uh, targeted at, uh, at minorities or, or reducing um, any type of unconscious bias training, diversity training, or encouraging any type of, uh, you know, civil liberties being equal. And so at this point in time, now that we've gone through a new administration, but we still have some of those sentiments across the country, I want to get your guys' opinion on this as being black women dealing in the legal area. Do you feel that things have got better with African-American, I guess, minorities um, being accepted into the legal arena or being addressed more fairly in the legal arena? Um, or do you think that there's, it, it's getting worse or it's the same? Or, you know, what kind of work do we have to, to get through and, and how? Hello? Hello, Mr. MC? Judge Peterson? Mr. Folks? Ladies and gentlemen, it seems like we've had some technical difficulties. Please stand by.
the city, here I come. Going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. They got some crazy little women. One day I'm gonna get me one. Walk, I'm going there just the same. I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City. Here I come. They got some crazy little women. One day I'm gonna get me one. I don't know when and where I'm gonna go. Thank you. Because there will be change. 
Okay, is there any contact information you want to leave uh, Lisa or anything you want to add? Um, at this point, um, since uh, a Supreme Court vacancy is not, has not, you know, there's not applications out there and that sort of thing, I just want people to keep uh, my, my uh, quest for this job in prayer and that I would be guided to do the right things and that I would uh, have the opportunity uh, uh, you know, to be fairly considered for this. Okay, and uh, Adrian, any last words you'd like to leave us with and any contact information you'd like to leave? I also have to just really honor what Rana said and, and thank her for the work that she's doing in the criminal legal system because Rana is really on the front lines. And yeah, I, I hope that as a legal community, we're not still talking about this 20 years from now, but that we've made some change. And I think it, it takes all of us to do so. Um, I am continually, like, almost every day, you know, inspired by the work that the members of the Black Female Attorneys Network are doing both in Kansas City area and across the country. Many women have come through Kansas City and are now um, set up for perhaps practicing in other areas. Um, and so that gives me hope. Um, but I would also just encourage those who are listening, you know, if you know a black female attorney, reach out to her, check on her, make sure she's doing okay, ask her what she might need, send a client her way. Um, and if, you love, if you'd like to learn more about the Black Female Attorneys Network, our website is www.bfanetwork.org, the bfanetwork.org. Um, there you can find information about our history and what we're working on and the women who made up our wonderful network. Thank you. All right, and Ebony? Sure, sure. just what to say. Sure, just echoing what, uh, what Judge Hardwick and, uh, and Adrian said, Sorona, thanks so much for for the amazing work that you do. I know my close friend Leslie works um, with Rona and I, have, I hear the stories and it's, it's you know, just, just heartbreaking. We just appreciate all the work that you all do um, as, as defense attorneys. Um, I think from my perspective, I'm hopeful that, you know, being in a primarily white term, um, I'm seeing things, you know, small changes take place where, you know, we're seeing attorneys of color get quality and effective uh, mentors in the firm. We're seeing, you know, attorneys of color getting access to a lot of the, uh, to a lot of the work that, that we want to do. Um, we have access to a lot of the, you know, the senior partners and the equity partners, and my hope is that that's going on in other firms as well. Um, I know there's still a lot of work to be done, um, but, you know, just, just hopeful that uh, we'll continue to see change. Um, if anyone is interested in any of the events that the Jackson County Bar Association hosts, feel free to go to our website, jacksoncountybar.com. Um, again, our next Law 101 uh, class is uh, the Healthy of Known um, this Wednesday, Tina Law and Judge Otto, and we have an, uh, an attorney from Legal Aid. They're both going to be uh, speaking on landlord tenant law. So uh, feel free to, uh, to, um, to join us for that class. And thanks so okay. much for having us, Judge Peterson. Yeah, well, we appreciate you guys coming on. You can contact me through MC Rona. Any last words you want to say? Yes, I want to thank all of our guests. Thank you very, very much for coming in. Um, have encouraged me. I also want to encourage anybody, um, any attorney who wants to be on the criminal justice um, panel, 
for the federal courts to contact me at rnn underscore hughes at yahoo.com. Um, right now, the application process is closed, but they have um, CLEs every month so that you can prepare to be on the panel next year. Thank you. Sorry, Anderson. Go ahead, yes. Uh, Hilsey Richardson, the host, executive producer, and also the chairman and CEO of the United Minority Media Association, which was incorporated in the state of Missouri on August 28, 1974, with a membership of volunteer-type organization. And we're reaching out. Matter of fact, I would like to have people establish like a, a, a legal advisor committee and consistent of people work with and we work with them and also we got a we had a good show last week on uh, genealogy and since that show we have established uh, our organization in Oklahoma the Salises and also Michigan where we call it the connection and we served 27 states in the Midwest Southeast region and we that's a broadcast association that is an educational institution, and anybody interested, I can be contacted. I am going to call all you all, many of you, and I've been knowing uh, Judge Harwood for years, but my number is 816-822-8866, and I don't know what happened to my cell phone. My daughter, the doctor, <laughs> Dr. Gina Taylor, knocked on the door, and then all that went off. So it's a new device that I'm not uh, familiar with, so I didn't know what was going on, but I apologize for that. But you know, this this was a great show, and this is not the last time. I hope that Martina and Rona invite you back, or you guys were great. Ivor, you want to say something? Yes, you know, it's on behalf of the Missouri Academy of Congress, I'd like to inform all you great ladies, okay, that we thank you for all the work that you're doing that the National Black Team of Commerce has put together a platform, okay, that can assist all the things that you're doing and how to kind of assist you, let you know that you're not alone in the fight that you have, that you do have our support around the country and around the world. And uh, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to a little bit more about this, and I'm glad you might be happy with what you're going to use. So thank you for the great show. Judge um, uh, Martina Peterson, what's in store for next week? Uh, next week we're going to have women in politics, um, and so we're going to have um, Bonnie Mims, and we're going to have uh, Raina Park Shaw, and then I, there's one other one that um, I've got a tentative on, so uh, we're going to have women in politics and some of the history and some of the vision that they've got going on at this time. That's the, the show for next week. And we encourage you to tell your friends how to listen to the station. Ida, I mean, how can you tell the ladies what they need to do to listen to the coming past today? Yes, you can. It's real simple, okay? Ferguson, USA, hottalkradio.com. You got it uh, on your cell phones or your computers. Ferguson, USA, hottalkradio.com. Once you go there, you can to today's show by going to our home page our podcast library. That's okay, you can plug it. <laughs> okay, well, my show is just to come to Kansas City. I'm sorry, you got me booted back with him. I like you saying that. Go ahead. Okay, my show is about Kim McConnell, but also, uh, 
That's correct, sir. And that's our engineer and general manager, Scott Owens. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, ladies, uh, this has been great. I don't know what happened. I'm not telling my daughter don't come see me no more. So everything went crazy. <laughs> I didn't know how this was. It's not that happy, man, seeing everything you bring. And ladies, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you uh, sharing your experiences with us. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for having thanks me. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Thank you. Stand on the corner. Corner 12 Street by. When my cat is in woman, boy, the whole I may take a plan. I may take a train. If I have to walk, I'm going there just the same. I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come.